Well, this month we've been talking about our, our souls. And we've defined the soul as that internal, eternal part of us. And in a sense, it's the deepest part of us that affects all of us. And we've been asking the question, how can our souls thrive? And we've mentioned two or three things so far. We've said that our, our souls thrive w uh, when it rests. We said that our soul needs responsibility, work, something to do. We've also said last week our souls need restraint, that is, healthy boundaries. Well, today we're going to look at one other thing our soul needs. And really, this is very, very important. Because if, if we don't have this, then all the rest really um, will come for naught. That, that this last thing, we'll have one more message in this series next week as we talk about how our souls need a future. But this, this thing we're talking about today is deeply significant. All the other things fall flat without this thing. If our souls are really going to thrive, our souls need relationships. And so once again, I want us to take a trip back to the Garden of Eden. I want us to go back to Genesis chapter 1 and 2. So much of this message series has been based on these two passages of Scripture. Right after God puts man in the garden to work it, and then God gives, gives Adam freedom within limits. He says something that's very significant, very important. Now for us to understand what he says in Genesis chapter 2, we need to understand something that happens in Genesis chapter 1. The narrator of Genesis chapter 1, and this is a very poetic section of Scripture, the narrator says right after God creates something, and God saw that it was good. I have underlined in my Bible, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 3, where it says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good. You have this repetition in chapter 1. God would create something, and then He would say, It is good. But when we come to Genesis chapter 2, for the first time, God says something is not good. Good, and you're no doubt familiar with this passage of Scripture because we often read this Scripture at weddings. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18, the Lord God said, it's not good for the man to be alone. That's exactly right. You've heard that before. Now, every time I hear this verse read, one of the things I, I say is that this verse is not saying that in order to thrive, in order to be happy and healthy, you must be married. It's not saying that. But it is saying in order to thrive, we all need relationships. We all need friendship. Now, marriage is the closest and the most intimate of all the relationships. Marriage is, in essence, friendship. Without, mar without friendship, your marriage will flounder. However, it's not the point that we all have to be married to be happy, but it is the point that every one of us, if we're going to thrive, if our souls are going to thrive, we need relationships. So let me say it like this. You see, we were created for community. As we look at God, God, is, and I oftentimes will talk about this in our new member sessions, we serve one God who exists in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You could say that God Himself exists in community. We're creating the image of God, and so one of the things I know about all of us is we all need a sense of community. We have our greatest joy and meaning in relationships in community. So why was this morning so wonderful? 
It was because together we experienced something wonderful. We, we saw all these kids up front who were part of all these wonderful families and there was a lot of joy today. It was illustrating right before us how that our deepest sense of joy comes through this sense of community. We're created for community. We need a deep sense of connection. And on the one hand, we're more connected now than at any other time in history. We're connected by social media. We have more friends on Facebook. And because of that, we know a lot about one another. We know where we're going on vacation. We know about our families. We know check-in points. We know what we had for dinner last night. I mean, we know a lot about one another. We share our pictures with vast numbers of people on Instagram. We post our pithy 140 character bits of wisdom through Twitter. On the one hand, we're more connected than ever before, and yet on the other hand, can we just say it seems like we're more disconnected? You know, it seems like though we have this sense of connection, we're more disconnected. Let me ask you a question. Do you know the name of your neighbors on the right and the left of you? Maybe you know their names, but when's the last time you had a deep conversation with them on your back porch. I've shared this quote with you before, but it is so powerful to me. Sherry Turkle teaches in the social science department at MIT, and she did a, a TED talk a number of years ago, and here's what she said. This is such a powerful statement. She said, we're lonely, but we're afraid of intimacy. We design technology that gives us the illusion of companionship without the demands of friendship. Think about that last line. We have all this wonderful technology. In many ways, it's, it's great. But it gives us only the illusion of companionship. And we don't have the demands of friendship. And that's what we're really talking about this morning. Because for our souls to thrive, we need deep friendships. Now, all through Scripture, we have these examples of friendship. So, there's David and Jonathan, there's Ruth and Naomi, there's Paul and Timothy, there's George and Ringo. Well, actually, that's not the Bible, but they were friends, I'm convinced. But all through Scripture, we have these examples of friendship. But I want to show you a story that comes out of Mark chapter 2 that makes a powerful point about friendship uh, and, and illustrates something that I think we all need to learn today. Now, the story that we're going to look at in Mark chapter 2, if you have your Bibles, you might want to turn over to that gospel story, Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Jesus goes back to Capernaum, and people hear that he's in town, and so that he's in a, in a house, and people flood in to hear him. And so the house is filled with people, so much so that the people are flooding outside of the house. There's this huge crowd as Jesus is teaching. Wouldn't you have loved to have been there that day and hear what Jesus had to say? He was such a powerful preacher. There were some men who had a friend. He was paralyzed. He was on this, this stretcher, this cot, this mat. And so, so they want to bring him to Jesus. They know Jesus can do something. And so as they do, and as they see all the crowds, they see people in the house and out spilled outside the house, they can't get their friend to Jesus. What do they do? They say, well, we'll just bring it back another day. No, that's not what they say. They go on top of this house, and they begin to dig through the roof. 
I mean, I don't know, it doesn't say, but I'm assuming they probably don't know who owns this house. They have the audacity to, to dig through the roof of this house, make an opening, and lower their friend down into the presence of Jesus. Can you imagine this? Here's Jesus. He's preaching. And he's in the middle of his message, and suddenly there's this little piece of straw that kind of floats down and, and lands on his shoulder and so he kind of flicks it off and he goes on with his message and as he's preaching he looks at the crowd and realizes they're not looking at him any longer no their eyes are trained above jesus so jesus looks up to see what's going on and as he does he sees some some hands come through the roof and there's an opening and it gets larger until finally it's large enough for them to lower this man in a stretcher into the very presence of jesus now in this story there are four types of people the first type of person that we're introduced to is someone who is hurting. There are the hurting. We've all been like this man on a stretcher, haven't we? Even in this room right now, I realize I'm speaking to some hurting people. I'm talking to some people who are struggling with depression. I'm talking to others who either in the past or maybe even right now, you're struggling with some sort of addiction. There are others of you who are dealing with cancer. Some of you are dealing with a sense of grief and loss because someone who's very close to you has just passed away. I'm talking to people in this room right now who, who are hurting. Here's this man. He's hurting. But there's also a second person in this story, and that's the healer. And this role in Scripture is always filled by Jesus. In the gospel, Jesus is constantly healing people. And as he heals these men and women, we see the kingdom of God breaking in right in front of their very eyes. And the third category of people, well, they're the hinderers. And this is the crowd. These people have good intentions. These folks are curious. They want to hear a message from Jesus. They want to listen, and so they are. But interestingly, they're, they're keeping this man who needs to be in the presence of Jesus away from Jesus. It's really a sad thing. There are many people who are just like this, many religious people who are like this. These people mean well, but by by their beliefs or attitudes or actions they're actually preventing people from getting to Jesus I look at my own life sometimes and I wonder am I like that sometimes I look at our church and wonder are, are we like that God forbid we want to be the kind of people that make it easy for others to come into the presence of Jesus there's the fourth category and these are the helpers these are these are the four men who have who have the audacity to tear open a hole in someone's house they don't even know because they love their friend so much they want him to come into the presence of Jesus. And these men are full of faith. We wonder, how, how do we know they're full of faith? Well, because it says in, it says in Mark chapter 2 and verse 5, when Jesus saw, what did he see? When Jesus saw their faith. You see, at some point in your life, you're going to need a circle of friends that are filled with faith who will do anything to help you get closer to Jesus. At other times in your life, you need to be the kind of person that are helping your friends get close to Jesus. We see that truth illustrated powerfully here in Mark chapter 2. Here's the truth. Good friends will help you become best friends with Jesus. We all need these kind of friends. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 20 it says, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers 
harm. Why is this the case? It's because you know stuff, stuff rubs off. When you're around people who are negative and use profanity all the time, can that affect you? Of course it can. When you're around people who are not Christians or, or maybe are, are um, what I would call practical atheists, that, that means they claim to be Christians, but really they're not thinking much about Jesus, not really living for Him, can that affect you? Of course it can. But the, but the opposite is also true. When I'm around people who are filled with faith and hope and forgiveness and grace, I become a more forgiving person. When I'm close to people who take prayer and Bible reading seriously, that makes me better. When I'm around people who are generous, I want to become more generous. When I'm around people who are full of faith, my faith deepens. So where do we find these sorts of friends? There are all sorts of studies out there, and you could, you could do your own research that show that that though we're around a lot of people, and though we're casually connected, honestly, we don't have those sorts of deep relationships. Few of us have deep relationships with people of faith, and so if we want to find these sorts of relationships, we want to find environments where these sorts of relationships develop, I want to argue it's at church. If you want to grow up your faith, you need to show up with the people of faith. The church should be the kind of place where deep relationships develop. And so you can make the commitment to say, I want to be a part of a life group. Or you can make the commitment to say, I I want to be a part of a Bible class. Or I want to be involved in, in some sort of ministry. And as you serve in those areas, you start to develop a depth of relationship with people. The church is the place where good friends help us become best friends with Jesus. And when Jesus is your best friend, your soul will thrive. I love how the story ends. This man's friends lower him to the presence of Jesus. Mark 2, 11 and 12, Jesus says to the paralytic, I can't believe you've disturbed my sermon. No, he doesn't say that. The man says to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. And then he says to him, I tell you, get up. Take up your mat and go home. And that's exactly what this man does. This helpless individual, this one who's been on this this mat don't know how many years, but a while. And the people respond as they witness this moment. They say, we have never seen anything like this. Here's what I believe. The closer you and your friends get to Jesus, the better your friendships will become and the better your life will be. And your soul will thrive. Remember, good friends become, help you to become best friends with Jesus. So what is it that your soul needs to thrive? Oh, your soul needs rest. Uh, your soul needs a sense of responsibility, something to do. Your soul needs restraint, healthy boundaries. But ultimately, for all of that to work, your soul needs relationships. And the first relationship, and the most important relationship we can ever develop is the relationship we have with Jesus. So this morning, I'm wondering, where do you find yourself? Do you have a thriving relationship with Jesus? And as a result of that, you're developing horizontal relationships, you're developing relationships with brothers and sisters that will help and encourage you, or this morning you might find yourself far away from Jesus. Oh, he'll run to meet you. 
Jesus is the one who, who wants to establish a relationship, a friendship with you. He wants to do it so badly, he went to a cross to die for you.